<laughs> we love stories, right? We love our kids telling us stories. And it, it really, for us, it began at an early age as kids, like we were begging our parents. Do you ever remember in your bed, read it again, read it again? That one story, that two, two stories that we loved. Um, but even as adults, our childlike fascination with stories doesn't come to an end, does it? We love stories. We go to the movies to, to see stories play out. We now binge watch, right, on Netflix to see 13 episodes of a story play out. Stories captivate us with characters that are a bit like us or are totally unlike us. Or a plot that has lines that help us to see fresh uh, the life around us. And sometimes there's vivid descriptions about hardships in life that we can personally identify and put ourselves right in the middle of. And then sometimes, even in story, there are probing questions which force us to wrestle with what we really believe in. But we love stories. We tell stories. We receive stories. So, it's no wonder that Jesus actually boiled down the most profound wisdom that he ever shared with people into simple stories. These like weighty theological teachings with deep, deep meaning told in simple stories. Jesus said stories about everything from great banquets to mustard seeds, from trees that bore fruit to missing sheep and to lost coins. In fact, even now as I say those, you are reminded if you've heard those stories and you can see them running through your head. So have you ever wondered about that, the, the power of a really good story? Jesus was well aware of it, and it's why he used it. Some of the most impactful stories that Jesus shared, do you know what? He actually shared them about people like you and like me, really. A business owner needed some work done and went out to hire some day laborers. A woman was standing in her kitchen one day baking homemade loaves of bread. Jesus used these wide variety of stories, and they actually became legendary throughout his ministry, even to us today. The Good Shepherd's Compassion, the Rich Ruler's Eye of the Needle Revelation, the Lessons of the Shrewd Manager, the Persistence of the Feisty Widow. But without doubt, all of Jesus' stories pointed to one thing, God's grander story of love, grace, and redemption. In fact, in light of that, I want this morning, I want to make sure that you're aware that every living person today, that like would be you included and me, that every single one of us actually has a story as well. And that our story, the greatest thing to realize is this, that your story fits into God's grander story, the greatest story ever told. Your story is that important. Your story about coming to know Jesus Christ, about how Jesus Christ has changed your life, it is so important that God said it actually fits right in to the great story that I'm telling. When people grasp the truth of the gospel, and they find out it has this direct implications on their life, all sort of light bulbs start to go on in our lives. I can be found like the lost son, I can be cared for by the good shepherd. My deepest needs, like the widow, can be met. And I can receive abundant life. 
Guys, it's really true, church. We have to understand this, that anyone can be healed, renewed, revitalized, transformed, and brought into abundant life. All of us. In fact, I believe there's times when I can kind of get blinders and think that God can bring redemption to me. And that even though I look back and I think, man, that was stupid. Why did I do that in my life? But God can make new out of junk. But sometimes, if I'm honest with you, I look at other people in my life and go, gosh, is God ever going to bring renewal in their life? Are they ever going to surrender to the, just the abundant life God has to offer them? The, the truth of God's word is yes. It's available to every single person. Here's the awesome part. A significant part of our mission as followers of Jesus Christ is actually to help people who are on this side of, of faith to have a vastly different life because they get to this side of faith. And, and so for me, um, I don't know about you, but I want to spend like my days helping people encounter Jesus Christ, to encounter this abundant life that Christ has to offer. And in, and in doing so, I, wanna, I want you to understand that my story, your story, God could actually use in a significant way to share with people and to bring these people to this side of faith. So let's jump into the gist of this teaching this morning. Um, suppose you and your neighbor, right? You get to know one another. You've had casual conversation and somewhat interaction over the lawn and grass and things like that. I mean, we started talking about that, neighbors, right? Back on, on Wakefield Place. Yeah. Um, now, her grass always looked a bit better than mine, but, um, but we had conversations like that. Just getting to know your neighbor. In fact, let's say that the more you have conversations, it gets a little more open and honest, the dialogue. It starts to start to process real-life issues and what you're going through. You've even tested the spiritual waters a few times, uh, and he or she knows that you're kind of like, you know, into God, kind of a Christian person. And so one day, you're asked, hey, why are you so fired up about God? They say it in the context of, you know, I, I go to church every so often, and I believe in God, and, you know, I'll get there. Christmas is really important, Easter is important, those kind of things. But that's about all I need. Why is it so important to you? That's quite a question. So let me just ask you, how would you answer your neighbor? What would you say to your neighbor who asks you that? Listen, uh, if what Pastor Anson talked about last Sunday, he said developing relationships, discovering their story, discerning next steps. If that's like planting the seed of the gospel in relationships, what we're talking about this week, sharing your story and answering this question of what fires you up about your faith, this, this, type, this type of storytelling instead of question answering, this is a thing that can bear fruit. This is the thing that can actually practically help somebody understand what Christianity has brought to your life. When people are living like far from God, they throw open a door and they ask like a sincere question about your faith. Like you, like you haven't just bombarded your way in, but the Lord has opened up a relationship. And at some point in that relationship, they honestly say, tell me, tell me a little bit about your face. You know what? I said face, didn't I? I, I guess that, that question could work in there. I don't know how you answer that one, though. That's not in my notes. So, 
If they ask you about your faith, um, you don't have to freeze up. You don't have to freeze. You don't have to fire off like this machine gun, rapid fire, all the verses that you've ever memorized, or at least partially memorized in your life. They don't need to know all of that. You don't have to get into kind of a deep theological discussion and, and, and like really finalize every theological question ever. Biblical scholars are still wrestling over those things today, and they go to school every day for it. You don't have to recount every sermonette you've ever heard. And as much as you like hang on every word that you know, I share with you, you don't even have to repeat all the sermons here. You know what you do? You just tell your story. You tell your story, your simple personal story that conveys the impact Jesus Christ has had on your life. You tell your story. So when your neighbor comes and says, hey, what, what gets you so fired up about God? This is what you say. You say, well, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. In my experience, the most effective way to share your faith is to share your story, is to share what Jesus has brought to your life. And this really is a biblical approach as well. In just a couple minutes, I want to walk you through a couple passages that are clear. This is what Jesus brought to my life. But first off, before I get there, let me share a couple things that I've learned about storytelling. Um, I've learned uh, a couple things, four things this morning, that will hamper your storytelling, your testimony telling. And I just want to share with you those really quick. Now, if you happen to be sitting next to somebody who falls into one of these categories, try not to bump them too hard with your elbow. Um, don't be too obvious uh, about it this morning, because we all struggle sometimes with these. Here's the first one. Uh, don't be long-winded. As... Open as people are to hearing your story and like to hear, nobody really wants to hear a 30-minute version of something that can be said in four minutes, especially when it comes to a topic of your faith that they may not be sure about yet. So uh, I had a baseball coach in high school. He was known for his long-windedness. His name was Coach Peckle. And so sometimes, like even today, I could get together with a few former teammates and we could kind of joke about that because we said, we called it getting peckled. So why were you late today? Well, I'm sorry, I got peckled. (laughs) Meaning at the end of practice, Coach Peckle just went on and on and on and on about whatever he went on and on about. Secondly, don't be fuzzy. The only thing worse than talking for a long time is talking for a long time and being incoherent and not having any idea what you just talked about. So if your testimony might have about a half a dozen plot lines and 16 main characters and about four intersecting dialogues going on the whole, you might want to step back and rework that story just a little bit. And instead, we share, what is the simple truth? What is the greatest thing that Christ brought to my life? What is the heartbeat of my faith journey? He also, uh, third, stay off religion ease. You know what religionese is? Um, that's when I really want to talk in very uh, biblical or very Christian terms that uh, somebody far from God may have no idea what I'm talking about. So if I want to hang on salvation, born again, accepting Christ, I mean, dare I say something like entire sanctification, um, that, uh, that's usually not the best grounds to go to there. So don't come off like you're, you're sounding like you're talking in code. Just simply share about Jesus. And use his name and share about the change in your life. Here's the last one. This is important. Beware of superiority. This one I had to learn the hard way when I was younger. I had to learn the hard way. Because my parents, 
um, weren't going to church. And my view didn't know the Lord. And I was new to the faith. And when you're having a dialogue late one night on something you did wrong, miss curfew or that kind of thing, and your parents are, are getting after you about it, I've learned that the, the, the worst rebuttal is to say, well, you guys don't even go to church. It didn't go over very well. <laughs> um, in fact, I still don't even joke about that one with my parents today. Superiority will get you nowhere in sharing your faith. Every once in a while, I've been in a situation when I'm with uh, some strangers who they're telling me their story, sort of, and they don't know I'm a Christ follower yet. They'll know I'm a pastor. And they get into a few pious remarks or these, these haughty assumptions, and, and they get rolling. And I'm telling you, there's nothing in my life that gets me more riled up when I just want to shut them down. So if you ever find yourself thinking that, like, you're the one with your act all together and they're the pitiful soul that needs your grace on them, uh, it's, it's time to stop and refocus your story, refocus your evangelism entirely. There's really no quicker way to shut somebody's ears than coming off as superior. So how do we do this? Here's the first thing. We just get biblical about this. We take a look at God's word and we see what happened in God's word. We're going to do that in just a second. The scriptures, they're full of these stories and these are before and after stories. Do you understand what a before and after story is? Before was this, after was this. It happens in a commercial. How long do commercials last? 30 seconds, one minute. I'm not talking about infomercials, commercial, quick one. In 30 seconds, they can sell you an ad on the before and the after. Well, here, we're not just selling a product and hawking an object here. We're telling them about the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And we find in the scriptures, there's plenty of these before and after. And really, the most important aspect of your story, your faith journey, is the before and after. When you tell a story, here's what the listener really wants to know. What was your life like before faith in Jesus Christ? And what is your life like after faith in Christ? Suppose a friend comes up to you. You haven't seen him in six months. You bump into him, right? And they start laying in and going off about the diet program they're on. You ever done that? I I, I know I have. Okay. Start rolling on. Yeah. I mean, what do you really want to know about? How has the diet made a difference? Did you lose any weight? Like, is your cholesterol down? Are you overall healthier? Are you able to work out? Whatever it is, the purpose of the diet, you're going to just want to know, did you accomplish that? It should be clearly measurable. That's what you want to know in a short story, right? The same is true for our Christian experience. When somebody, like, opens this conversational door by asking you that question, what fires you up about your faith? Why are you so into this God thing? State as simply as possible, this is what life life was like before Jesus. And this is what Christ has brought to my life. I used to be so angry. I would fly off the handle, right? I mean, the littlest things could get me going, and I had no idea why. But let me tell you what Jesus brought to my life. There's this inner peace that Christ brought to me. There's this teaching about how I process information in tough situations now. I can't believe how dramatically different I am. How quick of a story that is, a before and after. John 9, Jesus is seen traveling along when he approaches a man who's described as being blind. And this is what it says, starting in verse 6. 
Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Hey, that's pretty gross if, uh, if you glance over that in Scripture. Um, I've never tried that as a pastor. When you've come and asked for prayer for something, I've never spit on the ground and rubbed it on your eyes. But I might. I might. It's biblical. Verse 7. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam which meant sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, imagine how perplexed his friends and families and neighbors would have been. Verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, wait a second, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some others said, no, no, he, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am that same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. When I went and washed, now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath, but Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The, Sabbath, the Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Look, the man knew, all the man knew was he was blind, and yet he was blind no more. That's what he knew. So when he was asked the question by his neighbors and friends, and then by the Pharisees, he only had one answer to offer. And they asked him about Jesus And you know what he was really saying? I was blind, and now I see. Like, boom, that's his testimony. That's his story before and after my encounter with Jesus Christ. Think about Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verse 2. This is what it says about him. There was a blind man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. So he is like this self-proclaimed money monger, right? But what happens next? Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if... I've cheated people on their taxes. He had, by the way. I will give them four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Do you have any hunch of the tale that Zacchaeus would have told when somebody came along and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, What's going on with this God thing in your life? I mean, can you hear Zacchaeus saying, well, let me tell you how it happened. It was unbelievable. I was in this pattern in my life where I was dominated by greed and cheating people. In fact, the grip of greed was so strong, I couldn't break free from it. It did affect every relationship. All of my Hebrew Jewish friends that I, I knew from childhood, I no longer had because of this greed. But then I met Jesus. And you know what? Jesus set me free from the tyranny of greed. 
He taught me how to care, really care about people, particularly the poor. That's what Jesus did for me. Unhooked me from unhealthy habits and pointed me in a new direction. How many times do you think Zacchaeus told that story? Hundreds. It had to be. Every time he was asked to share this story. And in my experience, sharing like our stories of Jesus can be just as simple as when Zacchaeus would share his story. One more example from the Bible. What might Apostle Paul have testified? Do you remember Paul in the, in the book of Acts? He was once a murderer of Christians, and then he became one. What would he have said? Paul might testify, I was so caught up in self-righteousness, and that was my gig. I would hunt down, condemn, hate, and kill Christians. All because they didn't commit themselves to God in the way I thought they should. But then I met Jesus in this blaze of light on a road to Damascus. And in that, I realized the full extent of my sin, my selfishness. I stumbled onto this thing he called grace. And I went from a self-righteous accuser to a grace recipient. What are these? They're just stories. They're stories. Before my life was this, after my life was this. Stories about how Jesus transformed their life. About how Jesus, uh, they once were this before him and then they became something after him. And regarding our own journey, our story can be just as simple. What was your life like before Christ? What is it like now? Now I want to ask a question this morning. Maybe you're sitting there and when I ask the question, how is life different now? Can I just tell you this morning that for many Christians who claim Christ, the answer to that question this morning is, I don't really know. Not really that different. And this morning, I would tell you the power of the gospel, what Jesus has to offer you. He would say for us as believers, followers, Christians, that's an unacceptable answer. Because there's so much more he's wanting to offer our lives. It's, it doesn't mean we don't have dry spells at moments in our life, in our Christianity. But this morning, God wants to offer you a full amount of grace and love, redemption, wholeness, power, authority, ability in your life. And Christian, if you can boil it back to just the moment where you might have said a prayer. And that was a great moment. And you're a Christian, you're going to heaven in the end. But he's got so much more for you as you consider your before and your after story. Christians, this morning, I want to challenge you that maybe instead of focusing on the side of telling your story this week, though that's important, the focus might be on the story he's trying to write in your life this week. And it could be that you, believer, have said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know the call and the challenge that God has put before me. I know the time when somebody said, hey, I want to I disciple you and build into you. And you said, mm, I don't got time. Not interested in that. I know the time where Christ came to me and said, hey, if you will give up on that, I will show you abundant life in this other area. And you said, yeah, but I really want to hold on to this. So I'll just hang out here, God. And if you want to slide abundant life this way, I'm, I'm for it. And Jesus has said, Nope. <laughs> And on and on and draw your own. Maybe this morning for you, 
It's a story that Jesus has been trying to write in your life and you've been rejecting that story. I'm reminded of a story I read this week. This was a young man when asked his story. This is what he said. He said, my whole life up to the point that I met Jesus Christ was slowly self-destructing. I was caught in this terrible downward spiral of self-destructive behavior, but then I met Christ. He gave me the power to begin to live a healthy and constructive life, and I'm immensely grateful. As you contemplate your own story, your before and after, it's great to investigate and talk to other believers and ask them, tell me about your story. Let them share it with you. And then you can start to discover the impact that God's had on their journey and the impact he's had on yours. And you might even learn how to articulate better that single great impact that Jesus has had on your life. You may be familiar with uh, Bob Buford, who has he's written many books, uh, including Halftime and Finishing Well. And he says this about his story. I was nothing, before, but, uh, I was nothing more than a bored rich guy. And then I met Jesus. He's moved me from mere success to significance. In my relationship with Christ, I'm finally discovering a purpose for my life. This morning, I want to throw a challenge out to you. Uh, just a while ago, I kind of was throwing a challenge out that maybe for you, if you're like, I don't, I don't know what the after story is, that this week maybe God has something he wants to be working on you in, or maybe he already has. But if you're ready to tell your story, I want to throw a challenge out to you this, this week. In fact, this is for everyone. It's going to be a little different than the challenges we've done before. It might be even a challenge that's a little out of your comfort zone or that you might even have to be sold by God on the value of this for your life. Between now and next week, I want to challenge you to write out your story. Write it out in about 100 words or less. Just write out your story. Now, before you groan about only 100 words, the two that you just read on the screen behind me were 51 and 35 words. So I'm like giving you a lot of room, right, to write a lot. In 100 words or less, can you tell your story? You could tell that in about 45 seconds, actually. You can tell your story in about that much time. Then when the door swings open and God swings it wider, you can share a more in-depth story. Yeah, a more vulnerable story, a fuller version of that story. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, it's not really a challenge, Tom. I can knock that out on a napkin this afternoon. Not a big deal. Um, well, I want to th- throw this at you. Um, here's a challenge to go with it. Over the next week, I want to make a resource available to you. Uh, in just a second, this, this email is going to pop up on the screen. Here's what I'm offering. Once you finalize your story, 100 words or less... I want you to email it to us. Pastor Hansen and I would love to read it through, give you any feedback you might need or might be asking for. Now, you might say, hey, I don't really need your feedback. I mean, I've been doing this for a number of years. Fine. That's good. That's, that's more time for me this week. Uh, but if you need it all, just a resource like that, we want to offer it to you this week. This is a challenge. And the challenge is really not for Pastor Anson and I to read all week, um, but we want to make a resource available to you this week. The challenge is for you to take the time to write your story out. Here's what I've found. When I write my story out, when I know my story, it is amazing how often God uses 
and puts me in environments where I have to tell my story. And so I want to encourage that and challenge this week. Write out your story in a hundred words or less. And I believe, God, you'll be amazed how many times God uses that from now to Easter. So this morning, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray in two ways this morning. For one, I want to pray for the, the, the overall subject matter this morning, us talking about telling your story. I want to pray for you in writing out your story. I want to pray that God would put you in a position to share your story, even this week. The second side, and I want to make sure we, we have a focused, serious prayer time this morning. On those of you who are believers and you would say, I, I haven't really seen any fruit in the after. There was a before, and, and then I said yes to Christ. But I kind of let it just slide to the side, other than my church attendance is much better. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for what God might be calling you to this morning, or what maybe you've pushed away up till now and what he has to offer for you. So let's, let's bow and pray and focus in this area. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we just grabbed three stories. We could find many, many more on people that encountered you. And Lord, we find people that hear that, I mean, they, their lives were dramatically changed. But Lord, you also share verses of people that were walking with you. They loved you from childhood and followed you. But their encounter with Christ, Lord, gave them a mission and a purpose and a passion for that mission. That may be the story of somebody sitting here this morning. You've been faithful for, for all your life. But you, when you really encountered Christ, you knew purpose and mission became so central. Whatever your story is, whatever it looks like, I want to pray this week for you. That first of all, you could articulate it out clearly. But more importantly, I want to pray that God would give you opportunities to share your story. Just to share it. God, I don't have any great sales gimmicks for the kingdom. I don't have any great pamphlets to hand out. And I think, God, what you say is unnecessary. Unnecessary. Because testimonies are everywhere. Testimonies of people's lives who are transformed. And so, Lord, release us to share our story. Help us to fall in love with our story, coming to know you as our Savior. The difference it's made in our life. And then, Lord, give us opportunities to share. Finally, Lord, I want to lift up. I want to lift up anyone here that feels like a defeated Christian. Not defeated because they've had hardships in life and they're dealing with those. Lord, we've, we've, we've certainly learned in your word about characters that remain faithful in spite of hardships. So, Lord, that we are challenged regularly to hold on to our faith. But, Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray for... Christians who have just struggled to put into action in their lives what you've called them to. And they're even in their own head questioning and asking, Doesn't, isn't there more to this faith thing? Lord, I believe this morning you are saying, I am here. I am offering. I'm begging for the connection and the deeper connection with you. And it's often us that put up the roadblocks, the obstacles. And so when we're challenged with the real before and after, we might struggle. If, you, if that's you this morning, could I first say, this isn't a morning to beat yourself up. 
This isn't any morning to feel guilt. This is just a morning to be met, to be met by God again. He graciously this morning says, put your hand in mine and let's just start going after it again. Let's do this. So if you need to be met this morning by God, know he's standing here ready. Don't let an obstacle hold you back. Father, this week, give us your spirit, give us your power and your wisdom. May we be a blessing to those around us, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Now, uh, over the next two weeks, we still have our study groups that are going on for Just Walk Across the Room. So if you have not gotten in one yet... As I said last week, but I'll do a little math on it, two weeks is better than four, uh, or, or two weeks is better than none if you haven't gone to all four. So we'd love to have you join one of them. The Some meet today, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week. You can simply say on the card, uh, you can just simply write on there, study group, and we'll, we'll connect with you this week about that, or really this afternoon if you would like to get in a group today. Hey, one final announcement if I could share with you. Uh, there, there's something that's really central and significant to us that we're plugged into called Lot 2540. And you're, if you've been with us, you're aware of it. We talk about it quite often. And coming up in, in April is one of their big annual events called Rock the Lot. Um, happens up in Mayaden at, at, uh, at Lot 2540, where it's located up on 2nd Street in Mayaden. And uh, we want to encourage you to come and be a part of it and see what the Lord is doing up there. Now, it's kind of an all-day event. Uh, there's bands, and there's lunch, and there's all kinds of things. But here's a couple things you can plug into. There, there's actually, uh, they're selling these um, uh, barbecue that we can get in. And uh, it's one of their fundraisers, one of the things they do to, to uh, serve those in need in Mayaden. And, uh, and uh, so these are available, and we're actually getting a, a discounted price for it. Is 35 is a price, or is 30, John? For? So $30. So here's what happens, though, is, is for every four that we buy, so if you want to buy one, stick it in your freezer or start eating on it, whatever you want to do, uh, for every four that we buy, that we get one free that we can give away to somebody in need. So last, last year we did this for several people and, and handed them some, some barbecue. And so we'd love to do that uh, again. So if you, would, if you would look at this and, uh, and consider purchasing some of this would be great. You can see John afterwards. You can just go to our Lot 2540 table back here and talk to John or Patty afterwards about that. Um, but we'd love for you to come to the event. There's also a raffle they do all day uh, up there, and there's some pretty neat raffle prizes that are being uh, handed out this year. And so you can see some of them on the screen, or you can ask John back there for others. This is just another way that they raise money for what they do in, in uh, Madison. So let me just quickly tell you what happens. Every day, there's a hot meal that is served to those in need. Every day. Twice a month, and if you remember, it used to be once, but, but there were so many people coming, it's now split to twice a month. There's actually food distribution where whole boxes of food are handed out for families to be able to survive for a few weeks on. Plus, there's toiletries and, and items like that that are given as well. So it's just a great ministry that we're a part of and uh, that we're connected with that they're doing up there. And uh, John is on staff on. And so we would love if you'd plug in in some way, whether on the screen, the, the two things you saw, or coming up there that day on April 22nd and being a part of that and just seeing it in action would be wonderful. We know some of you, you're up there every 
every food service day serving. If you've never gone on a food service day, the second and the fourth of every month, um, and you can go up and you can serve in the morning. It's just a wonderful ministry to be a part of. All right. Well, we're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings. Our ushers are going to come. If you have anything on the cards this morning that you uh, wrote, uh, a prayer request or whatever, this would be the time to drop them uh, in that offering. It would be great. So, And while they're coming, why don't you stand and we'll invite the praise team to send us out singing. <laughs>